Hi friends and welcome back to She Who Chats, the show where I chat about anything and everything. Today's episode's about Partners in Crime series four, episode one of Doctor Who. And we have Nick joining us. So would you like to tell us a bit about yourself to begin with? I'm Nick. I'm from the UK. Yeah, I do psychology at university. I'm in my final year. And yeah, I like Doctor Who. So as Nick mentioned, in this episode, we're talking about partners in crime. And in this episode, they're testing a new weight loss pill in London by Adipose Industries. And the doctor goes to investigate the truth behind it. And he finds out that Donna Noble is also investigating it as well. Throughout the episode, there's quite a lot of parallels between the doctor and Donna. So in a lot of the scenes, they were kind of doing the same actions, but in different places. Yeah, well, uh, so the Doctor and Donna are uh, shot like parallel. They're doing the same thing. They're even uh, a lot of the time saying the same things, just slightly different at the beginning of the episode. And it's shot very similar. And it just shows you the similarities between the two characters and definitely why they end up developing into best friends. Like, they're very similar. Mm Mm-hmm. And also, when Donna was copying the Doctor with the psychic paper, like that's very much a Doctor thing to do. And instead of having psychic paper, she presents a health and safety card, which later on in the episode you find out she did work health and safety for a little bit, but then lost that job. Mm. I don't even think it was adipose that she had the job for. No, no. But yeah, she lost the job. Mm-hmm. But do you think that's kind of alluding to the Dr. Donna? What, they're doing the same sort of thing? Yeah. Yeah, there's a, the running theme of them being similar and friends and best friends and it all being fated. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of uh, stuff that they're getting across in this one episode. Mm-hmm. I guess I'd agree with you on the fact that they were foreshadowing the Dr. Donna here, but it's more that they're similar in manner. Yeah, definitely. I think just just filming them as kind of the same just kind of leads to the name of Dr. Donna. Mm. So in this episode, they're investigating Adipose Industries, which is about the adipose. Yes, Uh, the adipose are comprised of fatty tissue. Uh, They're generated from the humans. Uh, They're not while they refer to them as children of the adipose throughout the episode, they've not actually got any, um, unless the, I don't think they say that the pill actually has any adipose DNA. I think it just clumps it all together and shoots it out of the body. So they're actually all, I guess, offspring of human, but they're called adipose. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of odd, mm. considering they said that they lost their breeding planet. Yes. So you kind of wonder what was on the breeding planet. No, it was probably just like a herd cattle kind of situation because they were treating humans uh, like livestock. Uh, At some point, the doctor says that seeding a level five planet is against galactic law. So seeding is them basically using other species to uh, re-something. Reproduce. Reproduce. They're using other species and they thought that they'd get away with using humans they think we're really stupid uh, so they were seeding us and that's how they reproduce but the adipose are super cute and they're weirdly intelligent because they know to get out of houses they know to like jump out the windows and they kind of know to walk around they can wave they can understand people yeah 
at the beginning of the episode, uh, there's this uh, reporter lady and she asks some innocuous question and then she just kind of pops up later on. And like when I first watched it, I think in like 2007, I, I completely <laughs> forgot she was a person in the show because she just asks like two questions. And I guess now it's been, what, 13 years since it came out or whatever. I understand the questions that she's asking a bit more. So it, you, she would stick out. But like when I first saw it, I completely forgot she was a character. Mm-hmm. She's integral later. Yeah, and she does get everywhere. And, you know, she's one of the people that the nanny or Miss Foster picks out in the CCTV footage. Which I was looking for her. I couldn't see her. Yeah, me neither. I didn't see her at all. But you could really clearly see Donna right at the front and then... The Doctor as well. Yeah, and then the Doctor's right next to... Yeah, but I guess we know it's them because we know that they're in the photo. She's probably somewhere, but I can't... Mm. I, I didn't see her in the CCTV while they were going over it. Yeah, me neither. But Donna is literally at the very front of the frame, so even if you weren't following the storyline, you probably would notice Donna first in that footage. If you knew that there was someone who was who didn't belong there, yeah, I guess I'm skipping slightly forward, but she comes back and just sits on a toilet for twelve hours. Mm-hmm. Like she comes in, they specifically show the clock; it's the morning, and then it's twelve ten-ish hours that she's sat there. And you're talking about Donna. Yeah, Donna's just sat in the women's room. Yeah, and the journalist is apparently just a few cubicles across from her. Yeah. But it is weird, because that's the same kind of situation where Donna is right there, and so is the journalist, but they always find the journalist first and just completely ignore Donna. Yeah. The journalist doesn't rat Donna out, even though she's having a conversation on the phone. Mm-hmm. She goes out into the proper bathroom bit, her phone just rings and then she goes back into the stall and then the people with the guns turn up and the uh, journalist is sat a couple stalls ahead and she doesn't even point out the fact that there's somebody else here. Mm -hmm. And in that kind of situation, you would think that the other person would hear the phone go off and everything, but they made it out as if the journalist didn't hear Donna's phone at all because she never mentions it. And... If you're in the situation of being captured, I feel like you'd probably mention it. Mm. And then leaning on from that, when the matron comes in with her bodyguards, they all have guns, which is very weird because in the UK we don't have guns. And for a private company to have bodyguards with guns, that just doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean, I know it's alien run and everything, but and I'm already sure it's another slab situation from last series' episode one. Like, they look like clones because they look the same i I mean i haven't didn't pay that much attention to them but they've got like machine guns yeah but that is quite a strange scene or quite a strange idea that they would have those uh even if it was alien wrong because the humans wouldn't know about that or they shouldn't know about that so either way it'd stick out Mm. so they take the journalist back to the matron's office where Matron kind of tells the journalist everything because I think the idea is that they're going to kill her anyway. So they might as well tell her. It's a, it's a weird story device. 
that allows our protagonist, the Doctor and Donna, to overhear what's being said because it makes no sense. Mm-hmm. And also the fact that halfway through her telling a story, she's like, oh, so we're breeding adipos and then pulls one out of her desk. And since she is telling the story that these are the children that she's looking after, it's a bit weird that she's keeping a child in her desk drawer. Yeah. And then you've got the bit more known scene where Doctor and Donna are at separate windows across the room and they're mouthing words at each other. One of the best scenes in television. Yeah, it is a really good scene and Nick has it completely memorised. That's something I want to highlight this episode and this scene and this season as a whole the music takes such a step up it just fits the actions in this scene really really well and it sounds amazing for the rest of the episode but like the the upbeat kind of jumpy music fits with their actions and how they're interacting across this room from the two uh, windows is really good i like it have you ever seen orchestras record their music for movies and stuff? Uh, yeah, uh, sometimes they have the thing playing so they can react to it. Yeah, I'm wondering if that was something that they did for this. Maybe. But yeah, it is really well-timed and it sounds great. So there was also this kind of story arc where they can kind of control people through necklaces or how, rather how the pill works in people's bodies through these gold necklaces. It was a weird decision for this episode. Yeah. It doesn't work. The first weird thing is that they're giving away 18 karat gold necklaces to every single customer, which you'd think they might use a different kind of material. It's a bit odd other than the fact that here's a really expensive free gift. That's the only thing that kind of makes sense. Mm. And then also the fact that that controls individual people's responses. And Matron kind of turns one of her pills and it breaks Stacy down into the adipose, which kind of feels like it should mean that she has a necklace for every single customer. Yeah, just in her drawer. Yeah, it was weird that she pulled it straight out of the drawer and, you know, that was immediately the one that responded with Stacy. Yeah, and it's also weird that all of them have this weird thing. Did they think nobody was going to just turn a turny necklace? Yeah. And also, so if it attunes to the person that buys it, Donna gets one when she's not taking it and then goes to Stacy, and it's the one that she got from the company and it's not Stacy's one. Why does her one? Are like, do all of them just, are, are all of them for Stacy? Well, they do mention that there is an unregistered one at some point. Yeah, to that end, Stacy dies because she sees one of the adiposes and then they like turn all of her organs, bones and everything into adipose. And they know that she's seen the adipose, which is why they kill her. But it happens in the same scene and they're halfway across London. And then Donna sees the adipose, but they don't know that she's seen the adipose and they also know immediately where to go and where to find the adipose even though they've kind of run off so are they tracking the adipose are they track what are they tracking oh i mean the doctor has a machine that goes ding when there's stuff for the adipose transformation so i guess it works sort of like that if like the signal it gives off is so strong 
But you'd think that for the Doctor, it's just some kind of machine that dings whenever there's any sort of alien activity rather than a very specific, hey, there's some adipose on this street in this area. So that's quite strange. And then nearer the end of the episode, where the adipose come down to collect their children, so to speak, and you find out that the matron's in trouble. At that point, they're already kind of teleporting her upwards. But then they suddenly stop in perfect timing with when the doctors come up and said, you're in trouble, you need to come with us. But there is that element of comedy where she has just stopped midair and then she suddenly realises that she's falling and that's when she starts screaming. Mm. And I feel like they did try and put a lot more comedic elements in when they had Donna in it. Yeah, because Catherine Tate is a comedic actress. Mm-hmm. But she does uh, definitely show she's got acting ability, not just in this episode, but the whole series, but here as well. Same with when she was in The Runaway Bride, actually. Yeah. But there are some things that are clearly just thrown in just to be jokes, like the I just want a mate thing. Mm, Yeah. She's so incredulous. She's like, you just want to mate, Mm. which serves no other purpose other than just to be funny. I mean, it is funny. It is funny. (laughs) And then you've also got Rose, who is mentioned throughout because Donna knows about her. Mm. And then she pops up at the end where Donna's telling her, oh, my mum's coming to get my keys. Can you tell her it's in that bin? Which is already a bit odd because who puts their keys in a bin? Even when you're going to run away with the doctor, I wouldn't bin some car keys. No, and that's a bin just in the middle of the street in London. It's going to be disgusting. You could put it inside the wheel, like you could reach around the wheel and put it in like the indentation. Yeah, so that's a bit odd already. But then obviously you've got Rose who just listens and then kind of turns away and walks away. So even if her mum had come along to find her keys, she'd have no idea. Mm. And then she just kind of fades away. Which is weird because it's not how the teleportation works in any of the other episodes where she turns up like that. Mm-hmm. Was it mentioned at all after this episode that Rose met Donna? No, it's just there really to tease her return. Yeah, it's just kind of a strange cameo that didn't quite make sense. Mm. A lot of the stuff in this episode doesn't make sense. Like It like kind of half makes sense. But then there are things that are definitely logical to it. So it's not the perfect episode, but it is it's an enjoyable one. Yeah, it's funny and it's cute. Because mm. the adipose with that one sharp tooth pointing out is amazing. <laughs> it is. It's so adorable. I used to have a plush of one. I really wanted one, but the last time I looked it up, they were selling for about £60 each. Damn, that's that's expensive. I should have kept hold of one. And then you've got another mention to a different episode. You've got the Atmos in the taxi. There's a little Atmos sticker, and I think that's the first time Atmos gets mentioned because it's this series, because later on, that's when the Stontaran episode happens. And I think that's the first time you see an Atmos sticker, but I'm not sure. Mm. And I really love it when episodes do that, like they link to other episodes or they've got little Easter eggs. Yes. Like in. Um... Donna's first episode, The Runaway Bride, uh, it's the first mention of Mr. Saxon, who ends up being the master last series. Mm-hmm. 
I think Doctor Who is quite good for having little Easter eggs or references back to other episodes. Mm. And then, of course, we've got Wilfred, who he's adorable. He's an amazing, amazing man. He is. I like Sylvia as well. Mm. But the idea that Wilfred's just sat on a hill all day, just watching the stars. Go back up the hill. (laughs) I love that. Mm. If Donna's like, what, is she supposed to be 30 or 40 in the show? And then Sylvia's her mum. And then Wilfred is her dad. How old is he supposed to be? Well, I'd say Donna's probably in her 30s, so... Her mum would be 20-ish years older, maybe. Maybe. So. It'd be about 60 or 70-odd. Yeah, 70, 80, probably. He's surprisingly mobile. That little jig he does at the end. (laughs) Yeah. So when Donna's flying over in the sky in the TARDIS and she gives him a little wave and he's just so excited, he breaks out in a little dance. Mm. (laughs) It's so adorable throws his hat up in the air and everything yeah yeah he's clearly still very mobile and he's just loving life i wish i had that enthusiasm (laughs) just about anything it'd be lovely (laughs) i mean i guess if you saw your granddaughter in a flying tardis just in the sky you'd probably be quite excited as well i'd be over the moon for them Uh uh-huh Also, I think they slightly redo the intro and outro music for this season. It's slightly more rockier, I think, compared to the first three seasons. Or, like, it's just, it's louder. Like, they add a couple more instruments in, and it slaps. It still slaps. There aren't actually that many special effects apart from, I mean, the adipose shots and the big spaceship. But apart from that, most of the other bits of the episode are just walking down corridors or office buildings. Yeah, for the lack of other elements that are in this episode, it makes quite a good show. Yeah, it looks really good. And you could definitely tell where the budget for like the opening episode went, when you've got the hundreds of probably thousands of adipose walking through the streets. Mm-hmm. Because they'd all have had to have been animated, like apart from when they're all walking in formation, but when they're all like just kind of chilling and walking around the streets of London, that would have taken forever. Yeah. And which is why when the matron takes the adipose out of her bloody desk, when she moves it in such a stiff fashion, it looks so unnatural. Uh huh. But like, apart from that, that's the only bit of special effects because. The only other sci-fi thing is the big uh, inducer that goes through the center of the building, and that's just got a regular old screen on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just props mostly. Yeah, that's just the props department. Who knock it out of the park with that thing? It looks kind of cool. It does. Most of it's about character. This episode, there's not a massive intelligent plot. The most sci-fi thing the Doctor does is pull some cables around. Yeah. So it's not very Doctor Who-y Doctor Who, but it's really good to start a new season. Mm. But even considering all of that, it's still a really good episode. Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah, they did quite well with the little that they used. Mm. And yeah, if you haven't seen this episode or you haven't seen Doctor Who, I definitely recommend you do so. Yeah, start at Eccleston. Don't skip him. Start on series one. 
But if you want to watch this episode, you don't need to have seen all the other ones. But I just recommend it. Yeah, I think the only reason you'd want to see the other ones for this one specifically would be for the references and kind of the backstory for Doctor and Donna. Yes, definitely. They mention the Run Only Bride a lot in this one. Mm. But yeah, that's everything for this episode today. Mm-hmm. So thank you very much to you, Nick, for joining us. No problem. And Nick has his own podcast called Nick's Kitchen Sink. Yep, that's me. It's basically just like a 15 to 20 minute podcast about just a random obscure fact and just things about the facts and stuff around it. I've got a couple episodes up on Spotify, Anchor, Google. It's working its way towards iTunes, I do believe. Basically, it's mainly a background noise podcast, but if you're bored and want to hear some idiot rambling about uh, some facts, it's there. Uh, Yeah, so Nick's Kitchen Sink. Mm -hmm. And there are quite a few interesting facts in his podcast as well, so I do recommend it. Oh, yeah, and Callie phoned in and actually took part in some of the question and answer part of it as well. If you want more of her, but not too much more of her, she's there too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so thank you very much to you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. As usual, our social media links will be in the description along with a transcript. So let us know what you thought about it. You can leave a voice message on my anchor page or you can tweet me and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye.